Luke tells us at the outset of the story that the women were simply there to do their job. But we don't hear what their names were, at least not yet. They were there to place fragrant spices on the body of Jesus, which was simply to stem off the stench of the decaying body to begin a year-long process of allowing those bones of Jesus to dry up so that later they could be gathered and collected and placed in an ossuary box, which was Jewish custom. So the long and short of it is that the women showed up that first Easter morning simply there to do their job, but with nothing in their hearts except despair and grief, sadness, and shadows. In other words, very much like many of us this morning. It wouldn't take much self-diagnosis on your part to conclude that you also come to this place this morning with your own experiences of trauma and sadness. You too have walked in the wake of a part of you, a part of your life that has died. And all that once gave you hope and joy, and that which once offered you promise and life, that which once gave you a spring in your step and helped you look into the horizon of your future with great promise and joy, has been laid in a tomb so that all you can do and all that you know how to do is just try to mask the stench. And all you are looking for is new life. So it is with these women, these dutiful, observant, responsible women just doing what they know to do, just trying to make it from one moment to the next, one day at a time, trying to take it hour by hour, putting one foot in front of the other, just going about the business that they know to do. All the while, darkness shrouded around them and the shadows lurking within their own souls. But again, we aren't told the names of these women. Matthew and Mark tell us the names of the women right at the beginning of their versions of the story, but Luke doesn't tell us. Maybe it's because Luke is really eager to get to the good stuff in the story. You know what part I'm talking about. It's the whole reason we're here today. As veterans of countless Easter stories past, we know exactly what comes next. It is the big moment. It's the big reveal. It's that part in the story where the curtain goes up and we see some astonishing things. Like a stone that was once sealing the tomb being rolled away. Like two brightly dressed men, messengers, angels, standing by. And the body of Jesus was gone. And it was at that moment that these two messengers, these two men, said these words to the women. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here. He has been raised. Now what would you think if you'd heard those words? What would you feel? Well, Luke makes it absolutely clear what these women were feeling. 
Their reaction, according to Luke, was some mixture of both confusion and fear. I can't say we blame them for either. There was confusion because this was not what they were expecting. And there was fear because they didn't know what to expect next. At the very least, they had to think this was some kind of joke. But at the worst, they had to think this was some kind of threat. Because this disrupted their entire normal pattern of expectation. Defied everything that they were taught to anticipate. Their entire life, they'd come to the conclusion that dead things stay dead. That hopelessness stays hopeless. And that all of the things that had gone wrong stay wrong. Darkness stays dark. Shadows linger. But then all of a sudden, all of a sudden these messengers say the unthinkable. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has been raised. But notice... Notice what the messengers are really telling the women. They didn't say to the women, Jesus is being raised. Talking about it in the present tense. And they didn't tell the women, Jesus will be raised. Talking about it in the future tense. They are very careful to say that the resurrection has already happened. When they talk about the resurrection, it is in the past tense. It is already done. It is completed. Whether you realize it or not, women, he has been raised. Fascinating. Because what that means for you and for me is that no matter how you might be walking in darkness today, no matter how much your life might be soaked with the stench of sin and sadness, no matter how you might describe your need for hope and light in your life right now, Luke wants to make this absolutely clear to you. Whether you realize it or not, God has already been at work in your life. Because resurrection does not require our recognition. God has been at work in your life, even if you are just starting to see it right now. Jesus was raised before the women arrived at the tomb. And in your life, God has been busy God has been working to raise you up to new life, whether you can see it now or not. So, if none of this makes sense to you, that's all right. Because it surely didn't make sense to the women either. And it's almost as if Luke can read your mind. Because it is at this point in the story that the messengers have one more thing to tell the women. They're saving the best for last. It is the punchline. It is the zinger at the end. The messengers 
tell these confused and fearful women this. Remember what he told you while he was still in Galilee. That the human one must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Did you hear it? Did you hear what Luke was saying to the women? Did you hear what Luke identified as the real problem with these women? The problem with these women is not that they were fearful, because after all, who would blame them? The problem with these women is not that they were confused, because after all, how would you make sense of this news? Oh, the real problem with these women, according to Luke, is that they were forgetful, that they were suffering from short-term spiritual memory loss. They and the other disciples should have remembered what Jesus had been telling them all along. All they had to do, all they had to do to make sense of this rather confusing and frightful moment was to remember what Jesus had been telling them all along. But they forgot it. So friends, here's the key. Here's the take-home point from today's sermon. If you are looking for new life, if you want to see the resurrection made real in your life today, if you want to live beyond your confusion and your fear, then according to Luke, there is just one thing you need to do. Remember. It's all about remembrance. It is remembering that God has been at work in your life, whether you realize it or not, or whether you've forgotten it or not, and that God has given you everything you need to find new life and to embrace that new life. So the only question that matters this morning is this. Do you remember? Do you remember what baptism means? Do you remember that in your baptism, God claimed you God took you in as God's very own child. God welcomed you into the family just like we did with little Beatrice Marie moments ago. And in that moment, God took you into God's arms and loved you and said that God was well pleased with you. Do you remember that? Do you remember that moment in your life long ago When you thought about this great big world and your little old self and dared to believe that somewhere out there in the cosmos was a presence, a being that was larger than anything you could ever imagine in this universe that was calling you to be a part of it. Do you remember? Do you remember a moment in your life when you thought that all hope was gone 
when you were reaching out into the dark, when you were at the bottom of your barrel, when you were walking in the valley of the shadow of death, and all you could do was reach out a hand, hoping that there would be someone on the other end to guide you, to pull you, to save you. And in some very real way, God's hand was there to take your hand and guide you along to new life. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember that God's grace has been at work in your entire life since the very beginning, working preveniently in Wesleyan terms? And at this very moment, this very moment, Luke's Easter story is urging you to remember who God is and to remember that you are God's child and to remember that in Christ you know how to live and to welcome you home. Now, that really ought to be the end of the story. Luke really doesn't have to say anything more than this. And in fact, my sermon really should be over now. Amen. Okay. <laughs> and they're clapping. <laughs> and so is the choir. There you go. Yeah, that's what I get. Mental note, never make fun of the choir. Except Luke isn't done. Luke isn't finished telling us this story. The big reveal has already happened. The curtain has already been opened. We've seen there's no body in the tomb. For all intents and purposes, this story should be done. I should say a prayer and then call for the offering. But Luke isn't done. Turns out there's one more thing he wants to tell us. Remember, what were those names of those women? We don't know. Matthew and Mark tell us at the beginning of their Easter story, right there with the opening credits to their Easter story, but not Luke. Luke waits until now. Just when we think the story's over, Luke jumps in one more time. By the way, would you like to know the names of these women, Luke says? And then he tells us. The first name, Mary Magdalene. You know Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, the sinner, the one who was the object of such public scorn. The second woman, Joanna. Joanna was the wife of an employee of Herod, one of the great villains in the gospel. The other women, well, according to Luke chapter 8, verse 2, the other women were all healed of evil spirits and demons. In other words, these women each had scandal in their past. They all had baggage in their reputation. They were all carrying at least one reason why no one in the world should listen to a word that they had to say 
And that's why, instead of ending the story early and tying a pretty little ribbon on the resurrection, Luke adds an important epilogue to the story that is just as important as the story itself. For when these women left the empty tomb to tell the other disciples what they had just heard, Luke says that the disciples thought that what the women were telling them was, quote, nonsense, unquote. Why? Why did they think it was nonsense? Maybe it's not just because they were women. Maybe it's not just because this news was just too unbelievable. Maybe the disciples could not help but remember all of the baggage in the past for these women. Think about it. If, on the one hand, the problem for the women was that they didn't remember what Jesus had told them, then, on the other hand, the problem for the disciples is that they couldn't forget about the sins in the past for these women. The women forgot what Jesus had told them, and the disciples had forgotten what Jesus had done for them. And so ultimately, Luke's Easter story is about competing memories. It is about making a choice between which set of memories you will choose to claim and remember today. If you're like the disciples, then you will choose to remember all the negative stuff in your life. You will choose to remember your past. You will choose to remember all the excuses of why your life isn't worthy of God's love. All the shame and guilt from your past. All the ways that you're too finite and limited and weak and undeserving of God's forgiveness. And you will therefore see this resurrection story as complete and utter nonsense. But, if you are hearing what the messengers told the women, and if you are hearing what the messengers are telling you today, then you can choose to remember instead what God has been telling you all along. That God has been active in your life, whether you realize it or not. That God really does love you whether you feel worthy of it or not. And in Christ, you have the power to be raised to new life. Remember your baptism. Remember you are God's child. Remember that even in the face of your own confusion and fear, remember that Christ has been raised And so, too, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be raised to new life. And your new life can start here and now. Let's pray together.
Gracious and eternal God, this news is unbelievable. It rubs up against our expectations and defies all that we know. But in your grace, Christ has been raised. And in your power, we can be too. Forgive us, O Lord, for those moments of spiritual amnesia when we forget all that you have taught us throughout our life. Help us to remember those glimpses of grace that have sustained our journey along the way and inspire us to full surrender and obedience to give our life over to you so that dying we might be raised with Christ indeed. For all these things we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.